We turn in God's Word this morning to Acts chapter 6, page 914 in the Bibles there before you. As we turn there, we recognize and are stating clearly this morning, good leadership is so important. We see that daily, how important good leadership is, and we see how devastating poor leadership is. We see how hurtful and harmful it is to individuals, to societies, to nations. And while it is true in the world, it is certainly true in the church as well. We need those who are mature and godly, filled with the Spirit to serve, concerned with the things of the Lord. It is a challenge even for myself as a pastor who has the privilege of sitting with God's Word every day not to get caught up in all of the other things that have to get done. And so I am deeply thankful to the Lord for uh, His gifting of men, women, uh, for their focus, their maturity, and their commitment to the Lord in, in the midst of all of their other tasks. Um, not able to uh, sit as I do in my study to focus on the Word of God, knowing the challenges of running businesses and, and keeping on top of households and uh, all of the rest. It is indeed a, uh, a, a reminder to us of how much of a need we, we have for prayer, that God would keep us focused and that those who have been set apart as officers would be uh, prayed for that they would keep their uh, minds on things above as they set example for us. We're going to see that this morning uh, as we look at how the church uh, unfolds. In the early days of the church, that need for leadership was was very evident. Uh, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and then verse 47, 41, he says they're adding to their number every day converts, every day. And 47 says 3,000 were added just in one particularly. Chapter 4, verse 4 tells us the number was 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. Can you imagine that daily conversion, that, 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 that huge number of people that need to be shepherded, to be, to be overseen, and all of the challenges? Well, one such challenge that arose was the distribution of uh, the daily needs for, for the widows and those uh, in, in need. Acts chapter 6 uh, uh, tells us of that, but that's on top of the, of the counseling, that's on top of the, uh, uh, the evangelism, the discipleship, the devotion to worship that's there as well uh, that, that needs to be uh, set before us by example. The church needs leaders, so we ordain officers in keeping with Scripture's teaching to that end. Acts chapter 6 tells us of that particular issue that rose, uh, caused the, the need of the office of deacon. And I want us to look at that uh, together uh, now as we look at God's word. Acts 6, starting verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, or it is not proper, it is not desirable, is another way we could interpret that, that we should give up preaching the word of of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men 
of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenaeus, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God. May we be instructed by it this morning. The challenges, dear people of God, that arise in the church are not just material. This, this is one particular instance, and I use it this morning to, to, to introduce us to the idea of offices in the church. There, as I said, there's counseling needs, there's outreach, there's discipling, there's discernment that is required uh, uh, in the church, devotion to worship. The church uh, needs leaders. One of my sons was recently asked by a coworker, what do elders and deacons in, do in the church anyway? How about that? How fitting, how timely. I thought to myself, well, that, we're talking about that coming up uh, in, in, in just a few weeks. And so this morning, I want to look at that with you, elders and deacons in the church. We'll be looking at the office of the minister of the word this morning, but I can assure you, and I covet your prayers. I need your prayers, and I covet your prayers that this office also, along with elders, uh, is, is a challenging one, along with the deacons, is a challenging one. But let's look at the history of uh, the offices of elder and deacon this morning as we begin. The office of elder existed from the early days of Israel's formation as a nation. Already in Exodus chapter 3, we hear God calling Moses uh, from the burning bush and saying, go to the elders of the people to uh, lead them to go to Pharaoh, to ask Pharaoh to allow the people to go and sacrifice to God. There's elders among God's people already back then. Uh, And then it's seen throughout the scriptures, the elders, just a little bit of background, the elders were laymen, not Levites or priests. They were set apart, but by their being set apart, they did not become clergy. They were those who were occupied with uh, uh, the work, the ordinary work uh, that others had in that day, and they were to help. They were to serve alongside of the Levites and the priests. They were recognized leaders dealing in matters of judgment, discernment, uh, uh, just adjudication of various things and organization of society at that time. And the office continues to that to this day. How did we how do we see uh, uh, some of the changes that come alongside of uh, uh, the elders? Well, before Christ ascended to heaven, he appointed apostles to be his witnesses. They replaced the Old Testament Levitical priesthood. They came in, the apostles, as those who were to organize and direct the spiritual life of uh, the people of God. But they did not replace the elders. The elders continued uh, in office. As we see in in the Jerusalem Council for one such example in Acts chapter 15. But after the closing of the canon, the end of the apostolic era, the uh, uh, church entered into this era and the age in which we are now, which we will continue in until Christ returns. Some have called it the, the common era or whatever you want, whatever designation you want to give it. Um, and in this era, we see that the apostles disappeared from the scene and were uh, followed up by, were succeeded by ministers of the gospel, those trained to preach the gospel uh, to the nations. 
And along with the ministers, the elders continued serving in the governance of the church. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in all of those churches which they uh, organized. We see that in Acts chapter uh, 14 in particular. These men were appointed to help minister. Paul said to the Ephesian elders that they were to be those who were to shepherd the flock. To shepherd the flock that God had given uh, uh, them to or that that God had placed them over. His instruction was that we should appoint elders. Titus chapter 1. I'll be looking at just various passages as we, as we think about this matter of elder and deacon this morning. Chapter 1 of Titus, verse 5. We read there that Paul had a practice of appointing elders in every town. That they were to be those... Uh, he gave qualifications for these men. They were to be above reproach. The husband of one wife. His children are to be believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. There, is, there are many accounts in non-canonical writings in the early church of, of this succession of elders. We can see that in the first letter of Clement's first letter to the Corinthians, of how the elders were appointed. The shepherd of Hermes uh, spoke of how the elders were set apart uh, for honor and responsible for caring for the widows, for the orphans, and for the poor. They were distinguished from the other church members, shown honor in the congregation. Well, then the office of deacon, it's not clear when that word, that, that, that Greek word diakonos became uh, moved from the general uh, uh, meaning of to be serving to the specific office of deacon, but we have it coming uh, in before us uh, in, in the New Testament. Concern for the poor uh, and the needy was seen in the early days in Israel. All of the people were to be concerned for the poor. The Levites were in charge of distribution of, uh, of, those, uh, of those resources. But truly all Israel was to be providing. We see that in the gleaning laws and the other Levitical laws where people were to leave some for those uh, in need. That practice was in place while the gospel was largely focused upon Israel. When the gospel went global... Uh, things changed. The Levitical office disappeared, as we've said, with the coming of the apostolic office. But the needs didn't disappear. In fact, they overwhelmed the elders. Acts chapter 6 tells us they had too much to take care of. They couldn't stay focused upon the preaching, which is what they, uh, and, and, and prayers, which is what they were responsible for. So they called the congregation uh, to pick or to select seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom to, to this duty. They're not saying that the serving of tables is a, is a lesser call. Uh, it was just not proper, they said, it not desirable that they should split their time or, or carve up their time uh, from preaching and prayer to take care of this increasing burden. Some would object that this passage cannot be used to speak of the origin of the office of deacon because these seven, as they're referred to, are never referred to as deacons. But we can, uh, we can state, I think, helpfully that 
the congregational selection of these men and the laying on of hands uh, of, the, uh, of the officers, the leaders of the church, showed that this was an office that was being instituted uh, at this moment. Therefore, the apostles could then focus on prayer and the ministry of the word while the seven could attend to these other needs of the community. The responsibilities of the offices um, are listed in our ordination form. We saw that already, um, the, the many different ways in which they can serve. It's, it's written in our church order, uh, the responsibilities. But I want to look at some of them with you uh, in, from the scriptures in no particular order, but just looking, first of all, that the elders are for the re, the, to be serving in protection of the flock. Acts 20, where Paul calls the Ephesian elders to meet him at Miletus, he gives a delineation for uh, what the elders are going to be called to and also um, what, it, what it's going to consist of and what work it will entail uh, even as they provide protection. He called them to Miletus and then he said, to ver- the second part of verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So there we see some very clear instruction. We see the passion that he used, uh, that he had in his office, the tears that he shed, the, the trials that he faced, the challenges that come from, from ministering uh, uh, in, this, in this context, from outside but also from within. Uh, not shrinking from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Right? The word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It has all that function. And so it isn't always merely for uh, encouragement at times it is to call us back to what we are to be doing and that in a sense is encouraging that is to encourage us in that right walk but then from house to house not only in public but from house to house house visitation testifying to all of the need for repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ Today, that, that idea of repentance, people say, well, that's not practical. I've already done that, and, and I just want to know what, what else I could do. What else should I be doing? Well, repenting is the, is the primary thing that we must do uh, because we sin each day. And to repent of those acts and to, to press on in that which is good. So then to show them how they are to go. Then, then down in verse 28, again, protecting by means of teaching and instruction, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves, how you walk, that you're walking in keeping with God's word. You're setting example, setting example. Be careful, pay attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, bringing the whole counsel of God, he says in verse 27, all the parts So you're set apart by the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that. We pray that the Lord will set before us and lead those men to be selected who are set apart by the Holy Spirit to be overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's an image there of how Christ cared so much that he gave his own blood for the church. You're not called to, to, to redeem the church, but you are called to lay down your life for the church, to give yourself in service. 
And then he says this, I know that after my departure, there's fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. We see that in the life of the church today, how many challenges there are to doctrine and uh, to the instruction uh, of the word of God. How we have to be alert. Verse 31, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not see Snyder Day to admonish everyone with tears. There again is that passion. There is that, that, that compassion. And now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to what? To build you up. What you're doing is you're seeking to build up the flock. Not just build the numbers, but to build them up in the faith. That they might walk in newness of life. That they might receive the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is quite a task. That is a high calling and one that we cannot do uh, on our own. But setting example, encouraging the saints uh, with the word of God. Uh, the, the passage in Ephesians, I was going to look at more closely, but we won't have time this morning. But Ephesians chapter 6, this is a word of Paul to the whole congregation. But as elders, you set example in this. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the armor of God, the word of God. Listen to what it, what it says here. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. To stand firm in the truth. That, that doesn't always, that doesn't mean ease. <laughs> that, that, that entails a struggle and, and, and a firmness of purpose. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, the word of God, Put on the breastplate of righteousness, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering his uh, righteousness is now yours by faith. And the shoes, which are the readiness of the gospel of peace, to bring that gospel to the people. Lead them in works of evangelism, of outrage. Show them how to share the faith, to encourage them to do that. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. He will attack, and we need to remember where our faith rests, where our foundation is. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Taking the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying at all times for everyone, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Remember, Jesus himself was called a servant, and that is... That is to emphasize, that the reason I, I mention that is I want to emphasize that doesn't make you, because you have been set apart in office, as somehow higher than, more uh, noble, but as those who have been recognized as having these gifts and this uh, holiness of life. And so you lean upon the Lord for that, and you walk with them to encourage them uh, in the whole counsel of God. You also recognize the gifts in the congregation. When Timothy is set apart, listen to, to the ones who are involved in that. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, he, it's, Paul says that he was set apart uh, when, by prophecy the, uh, the council, and with the council of the elders laying their hands on him, he was set apart. There's a picture of, of recognizing the gifts in the congregation and encouraging them in those gifts. Getting them to use those gifts so that together we might be serving uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, meeting with members, finding out from them what, uh, uh, what gifts they have and how they might be serving uh, with those gifts. Urge that upon the members. 
in service to the church, but also outside the church. Again, set example. Show them how, what that looks like. Urge it upon them. Set example. Provide them with tools, with seminars, with Bible studies. Uh, spend time with them in prayer. Uh, praying from house to house with, with them. Administration. Uh, uh, ruling as well. The elder must rule well, First Timothy 5 says, and be above reproach and above all sin. Elders shouldn't be quarrelsome. That doesn't mean they should be soft. It doesn't mean that they should be compromising to, to kind of keep peace. When there is something that needs to be addressed, then they need to be addressing that. Jesus was neither quarrelsome, neither was he, nor was he soft. He would speak to the needs. He would point people to where they had to look at their hearts and change uh, their way of life and to turn from sin to the Lord. So administration, leading, uh, ruling, uh, spiritual teaching, giving instruction. Where do they go uh, when there's concern in the early church? Acts chapter 15, they go from Antioch to Judea and they enter before the apostles and the elders. Acts 15 verse 2 says. So there's instruction, giving discernment. People say, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to to understand this. What is the Bible teaching? Then they come and you are to be uh, teaching them, to be giving instruction as it was very clearly uh, mentioned already uh, in Acts 20. So that means you need to be knowledgeable in the scriptures, able to teach, 1 Timothy 3 says, able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it, Titus 1 verse 9. And I must say uh, to the congregation that I've appreciated the devotions that we have in our council meetings and consistory meetings. Uh, we experience that uh, in, in, our, in our meetings, that there is a, a desire uh, to know what God says and, and to be led by it, to be encouraged, to be reminded the one, uh, the one who we serve is uh, sovereign. It says be hospitable, uh, be hospitable as well. Approachable, compassionate, welcoming, all of these are found here. All those who are examples, or as those who are examples of Christ, remember that there's none more approachable, more compassionate, more gracious and loving than the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom you represent. Uh, People gravitated towards him. They wanted to talk with him. They wanted to hear how he would understand the word of God. And then shepherding the flock, 1 Peter chapter 5. It says there that you are to be shepherds of the flock, exercising oversight willingly, not for shameful gain, not domineering, but being examples to the flock. 1 Peter chapter 5. And then in prayer, constantly in prayer, uh, as Paul has already said, uh, in prayer for the saints, but in prayer uh, uh, for one another in the office as well. Constantly praying that God would meet the needs of the congregation and your needs. Well, the office of deacon, then the form is helpful. The, the, the installation form there we hear, the office of deacon is based upon the love and concern of Christ for his own. That's what you represent. That, that's how you are to, to function in that office. The concern is so great that he considers what is done to one of the least of his brothers as done to him. As though you are serving him. That's a a very powerful picture. So that that, that leading uh, uh, work then is the ministry of mercy. That of the ministry of mercy. Gathering together the offerings of of God's people that they in gratitude give to the Lord that you might distribute them 
We don't think much about needs today. I don't think we, 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 we've lived in relative prosperity, and so we think needs are, are, are somewhere else. We, we oftentimes think, well, where can we send the, uh, the finances? But increasingly, we're seeing that in our own time. And what sort of things create that? Well, people lose jobs over spiritual conviction. They, 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 have to, to, they have to leave their job because they refuse to do something that the, that the employer says they must do, which is uh, uh, to uh, turn their conscience away from the Lord. There's a real possibility on the horizon as we see things changing with uh, conscience clauses and so forth. We have to be aware of that. In, in, in so many years past, we've, we've just decided, well, no, need is something that means that people planned poorly or they're lazy. But there are many challenges, dear people of God, today to, in the workspace where need increases, where just that pressure uh, that comes from working in ungodly environments lead, can lead to depression and the need there uh, for uh, counseling, for help to move on from, from a uh, position of immobility, to, to be sensitive to those needs, to pray for um, the deacons, as they try to discern that and to give help there and to pray for those uh, in need, to pray uh, that God would use the officers with their gifts and skills to serve the church, even as we do together. So deacons, you play a vital role in the church to determine where those needs are and how to meet them. And... This requires discernment, integrity, compassion, uh, all the aspects that we see here in Acts chapter 6. These men of good repute, filled with the Spirit, um, to be serving. Maybe there's other ways of of doing that just in thinking of the younger uh, developing to the older, and that is developing work projects, uh, maybe seeing how work projects can be utilized uh, for those who have need in the congregation so that young people would find ways to serve that they would think about service at that age and then it would become a part of who they are so that they might serve as they grow uh, in, in responsibility and maturity in the church. Financial counseling, helping with budgeting, all of these things can create stress. Uh, and, and certainly we see how these things can, can be increasingly a problem in our culture where our economic state is, uh, to be challenge, is challenging to be sure. Well, I was going to say something, too, about vows and, and um, the protection of the offices, the third point, but we don't have a ton of time, a lot of time there. But vows are important. That's why we vow before uh, God and his people to remind ourselves of what exactly God is uh, uh, calling us to. It was brought to my mind the image of these, these men who scale... Um, El Capitan and Yosemite, they, they use these, these pythons and the, and the crampons and whatnot, and they, and they hang there uh, in these hammocks as they're, they're climbing the face of the wall. And this writer was saying the, the vows that we take are like those, those, those stakes that we drive into the rock as we, as we serve and as we live the Christian life. We serve between earth and heaven. We serve uh, uh, not to be earthbound in the sense of thinking as those around us, but to be looking up and to be remembering and to be aspiring to those things and our vows, remembering who we serve and what we are to do in that service, uh, uh, help us along. Who are we as elders, as deacons? So then participation um, with the offices, 
the fourth point. We, we could say much more about vows and, and how they, they serve to keep us grounded, but we'll, we'll move on. Uh, as I looked out this morning uh, and, and was, was hearing some talk beforehand, they said, oh yeah, we've got family coming in to help my wife with the kids, or, or uh, 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 I see the wives there as the, as the men sit forward, and I think of how necessary all of uh, those sitting here, all of you sitting here are to the body of Christ in these different ways, how we need to serve in those, uh, the roles that God has given so that we might together build up the church to give uh, ourselves uh, in service, uh, helping and supporting. Um, one, of the, one of the, I think, primary ways that, that you as, as members of the church can participate in these offices is through prayer. Paul says, be praying for me as I share the gospel. Be praying for me as I minister the gospel. Uh, listen to what he says in Ephesians 6. He's, we had just been there. He said, pray for all the saints and also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's for the minister, and I covet those prayers, and it's also as you pray for your elders and your deacons. And as they serve, they would know the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just come from elder training and office bearer training as valuable and as helpful as those are. It is also our heart's desire, it ought to be our heart's desire, to be praying for our elders and for our deacons, that they would serve, that their lives would be exemplary uh, and, in, and holy in service. So praying for them. Responding to the requests when there's needs in the congregation, whether those are needs of spiritual concern, praying for those who are under discipline, uh, praying for those who, who are, are wayward, to be, to be offering our, our encouragement and prayers uh, there to be also providing for financial needs, benevolence, missions in general. And when the deacons call for that, we respond to the officer's request in that general office of believer. We participate together. Uh, And then obedience, obeying the word and obeying those who have been uh, recognized and, and then placed over you in the Lord. Hebrews 13 says it this way, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. May there be joy among us as we serve together in our respective roles, submitting and and stepping up when called to do so. It is is, uh, tempting to, to think, well, the officers are here to do the work, uh, so, and we can cheer them on. Well, no, they're, they're leading by example, and they're set apart as those gifted, but they are those uh, who are encouraging you in your gifts as well to be giving your time and your energies. It's easy for us to, uh, to, to not um, always see that. And, and, and pray for your elders in this way, too, as I think back upon it. It's easy when you come into an office, brothers, to to become more officious and, and delegate and, and give duty and, and look at people more as, a, as, as, as those who are just taking tasks rather than loving them and serving alongside of them and saying, yes, let's do this together. We want to show, show the example, encourage you in it, but then work alongside with you uh, on it. So, so it's, it, it, one pastor has said it this way, as leadership grows, humility often wanes. 
we become, it's, it's possible for us to, to take on a position of, well, I have a position of authority. I say go and that one goes and I say do and that one does and, and lose the humility that we are together uh, serving under Christ. And then again, the reverse to you, dear people of God, you don't say, well, we have officers for that. We, they, that that's what we've, we've ordained and installed officers for. They, they can do the work. We, we, we kind of just provide the material resources. No, we're here to serve together. And, and we don't want to have that wrongful notion that we're, we're, uh, we're not needing each other. In humility, we serve uh, Christ. And we do so with joy. Uh, to do so with joy, not with groaning. And then, to, then that connects to discipleship. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, what you have heard from me, entrust to reliable men so that they in turn might re- give it to you yet still more. 2 Timothy 2, 2, the discipleship. And then older women to younger women. There is a position of discipleship there. Older women, be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. There's a, there's a call there in Titus uh, chapter 2. And then to the older men, to the younger men, show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. There's there's plenty for us to consider here this morning, plenty to go around, not just for elders, deacons, but for each of us as we serve together. Our Savior taught and discipled, pointing people to his Father, saying, you are living for him. You are uh, pointing people to him in all that you do and all that you say. And we need to pray each day that that would be our focus, that that would be our intention in giving um, ourselves in service to point people to God, that we talk differently, that we act differently with integrity and honestly because we serve the Lord and want to point people to him. We're to desire the spiritual gifts that God promises so that we might serve where he has placed us. God has declared his church to be a body made up of many parts, and each part must play its part. And that is the way that the glory of the gospel is seen uh, in God's people. We see how we've been served by Christ, how he laid down his life for us, and we in turn then want to serve, to give ourselves in service uh, for the greater good of the body and for the world. Well, let's ask God to help us to do that as we close in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear again the manifold uh, nature of elders and deacons, their offices, and the call to us to, to be submissive and to serve with joy and to serve in many different ways wherever we have uh, capacity and and giftedness and capability. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to show our heart's desire to serve as we uh, adorn the gospel, as the gospel has been given to us, declaring your gracious service to us, that we would say it has had its purpose in us. We now want to go and serve others. We want to go and uh, be engaged 
uh, in service so that the church might be built up and so that the gospel might go out to the ends of the earth. Lord, help us not to lose sight of that. We thank you for the offices in the church. We thank you for the church and all of the ministries. But we pray that all of these, uh, all of this uh, part of the life of the church would lead us to service outside of this building uh, in giving ourselves uh, to, to make much of you and to point people to you. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.